guests on the Rolodex Stopping by to talk about some Dynasty Superflex Everybody yo commish is in It's time to sit down to listen to John McGlynn Yo who we trading, who we fading, who we getting off the squad Knowledge never overrated, playing for number one And yo McGlynn is in, it's time to let the fun begin It's the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast John McGlynn Yo, John McGlynn here. Welcome to my Commissioner Evaluation Show. I'm John McGlynn. You can find me on X at John McGlynn 75. Only two more weeks of the regular season of fantasy football left. Where's your team at? Contender? Pretender? Bottom feeder? Are you switching to hockey season already? We are here to help you enjoy the rest of your season, playoffs, and all the rest of all the play, all the rest of the season. So let's get to the show. This is episode 100. I got some special people here, people with here with me today. So we're gonna run through some commissioner questions. Week 12 injuries, week 13 waiver wire targets, team by team quick hits. We'll review some trades that went down in my Mighty England home leagues, and we'll evaluate a team to see what it should be, what we should do this with the team rebuild, remodel. This is a uh, pretty, really good team. This is like a dynasty focused team, so it'll be interesting. But uh, I went hunting last week. My daughter Katie came over from school from St. Ambrose. My son Johnny came over from Wisconsin Whitewater. Our whole family was in the same house together for a week, and it was wonderful. Uh, we went to my wife's family's house for Wednesday for Thanksgiving, and my family got together Thursday to celebrate Thanksgiving. A lot of eating. I think I gained about 12 pounds. I went to Bourbon Street for, uh, you know, meet all the my son's friends uh, from high school, from Brother Rice, and then went to Brewbakers, which if you, nobody's familiar with this, Brewbakers is the, one of the late three late-night bars in Chicago. There's uh, Touch of Class in Gar- like, uh, on the like, south side, and then there was Groucho's on like, like 87th of Pulaski, and then another one called Brewbakers, which is in Mount Greenwood. And I've been banned for that place for 22 years. My name's on the list. The list changed like five times. And I've still been, I'm one of 13 people still on the list, even though it's been changed owners of the bar like five times. My name's still on the list. The bar, t- the bar back let me in, even though I'm banned, because it was like it was like Thanksgiving weekend. He's like, just behave yourself. I'm like, all right, cool. I got in there. It was crazy. I'm not, there was a big joke. Uh, I showed all my friends on the social medias and everybody laughed about it. But I got in there. Even though I'm banned for life, I got in there. So, JT, and now you're banned again. Oh, man, Uh, I've had to ban a few people from my bars over the years, and it's very rare. I'm always like, you have to really do something bad for me to ban you. I'm usually like, all right, man, take the night off, head home. I'll see you next time. You can come back and apologize, and we'll be fine. So usually I'm pretty cool. I've got a few people on my ban list that people keep asking me, like, hey, can my buddy come to this? I'm like, nope. Nope, he I gave him two or three chances and I'm like, he's out. So I can't even imagine what you did to get banned. But that's uh pretty hilarious. Uh Thanksgiving week for me is is turkeys, turkeys, turkeys. At Project 47, we uh do Thanksgiving turkeys on special for the week. So what we do is we call in advance, order up a smoked turkey, and then we uh cook about 40. 48 turkeys on our smoker uh, the night before Thanksgiving. And then everybody comes in Thanksgiving morning and hand them out to everybody 10 a.m. to about noon. So that's kind of been my last 10 years or so. That's what I do every Wednesday, get everything set up. So I bartended till close, went throw the turkeys on the smoker about midnight and then get up in the morning early and start pulling them off and hand them out to people. And then went to my mom's house. And then went to my girlfriend's house, and uh, my niece was back in town for college, so I hadn't seen her in a while, so it was good to see her. But always fun. And then football, man. You can't beat a great week in a football. 
tons of football on Friday with college. Mizzou got the win. So I literally, I feel like all I've been doing, I watch football all the time anyway, but I feel like all I've been doing is watching football constantly the last like four or five days. So it's pretty fantastic. I think you muted yourself, John. Oh, John. You may- yeah. I usually don't, but you're, I knew it was going to be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a good weekend for college football. So it was uh, a lot of, a lot of games to watch. Nick, tell Nick script, uh, neighbor, friend, tell us about yourself, where people could find you on all the platforms, what you do in the fans football world makes people want to follow you all the good stuff. Sure. So uh, appreciate you guys having me on here, but Nick Scripp, I'm the NFL fantasy content lead over at Fantrack. So for them, I produce tons and tons of content on a daily basis, but I also kind of oversee the the content team, mostly just guys uh, writing and pumping out articles and contributing to you know things like graphics and some videos at, at times as well. But it's been awesome. It's my first year doing that there. Um, I think the brand's been growing a ton. Uh, it's an app. It's a website. I also write for the website um, as well. So does JT for some IDP stuff. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter or X at P2W Fantasy. I'm on TikTok at P2W Fantasy, Instagram P2W Fantasy 20, uh, 2020. And uh, what I do is just produce tons of content on a pretty consistent level. And what I think is a little bit different is that I, I do it in all different forms. So if you look on my page, you can see you know, short videos and live streams, and you'll see graphics from fan tracks that I've made, uh, data drum, uh, drops, uh, pretty much everything. So I try to be a little bit diverse in the content that I produce, and I have a lot of fun with it. So really enjoying it. What's your favorite thing to do in fans football? The ranking, podcasting, social media stuff, your TikToks, or, you know, just doing what you do with the job for, for fan tracks itself, fan tracks itself, itself. Uh- I do, I do love uh, what I've been doing at Fantrax, and what I like about Fantrax is that they've li- literally let me have my hands on everything. I'm in talks with uh, um, the the social media coordinator and the the editor on a daily basis, pretty much, you know, talking about what we want to get accomplished and some ideas we bounce around. But for me, you know, I, like I said, I do a little bit of everything. I, I like the short uh, version videos because I feel like there's just a little bit of a difference between you know typing out something on Twitter or X. Versus like saying it in front of a camera. I think people can kind of pick up in your personality and, and put your actual face to what you're saying. So I do like doing that the most, I'd say. I think that's something that I probably do more than other people is just like put out a bunch of videos all the time of me talking and stuff with some graphics. But I do like uh, to, to dabble in a little bit of everything. And, and again, that just kind of makes me a little bit, I guess, diverse when it comes to content creation. What else does Fantrax have to offer? I mean, you're the spokesman for Fantrax now, so tell me all about Fantrax site itself. What, what would make someone want to join uh, Fantrax leagues? I know mm-hmm. we, me and JT are in hockey leagues on Fantrax, so there, there's mm-hmm. racing, there's tennis, there's all kind of stuff. Tell us all about the Fantrax site itself. Yeah, so we have a Fantrax HQ, which is just the the website where you have all the articles on there for all different sports, uh, different content for literally everything, uh, fantasy hockey, fantasy soccer, obviously football, there's baseball, there, there's just tons of different uh, content creators producing articles daily. Um, it, it's great. So Fantrax HQ, and then the app itself. Um, it, it's, it, it's something that I think is a little bit different than your ESPNs, your sleepers, your Yahoo, just because I feel like it is the most customizable app that is available. If you want to do anything for any sport, you can probably do it on Fantrax. So if you're a big hockey guy and you want to have this diverse, crazy league, you could probably do it on Fantrax. If you want to do some college football stuff, you can probably do it on Fantrax. And then, you know, we all love the sleepers, uh, you know, uh, uh, availability and, and things you could do on there. But pretty much everything you could do on there, you could do on Fantrax as well. So I just think that, you know, in comparison to other apps, it, it just offers 
a little bit more just because it's, it's sports wide. It's not just good for football or just good for baseball. I think it just gives you a little bit of everything for all sports. Nice. Tell me about a day away from the desk from content creation for you, family, pets, music, hobbies, all that kind of stuff. What do you do to kind of, you know, get out, be, going to the gym, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I see your videos, all your socials, all that kind of stuff. Tell me about a day, all your whole day outside of uh, the fantasy football content creation. Sure. So uh, every day set the alarm Monday through Friday, 430, get up, go get a workout in before I get to the office. Uh, That's pretty much a routine for me. Just was like a a former college athlete uh, like like yourself. And I think it's just kind of ingrained in in me at this time. I think it's a a good like mental escape as well. Um, I have two three-year-olds at home that are one day uh, away from each other. They're, they're, uh, they're best friends at times. Other times they, they, they bicker and fight. So we have to keep a close eye on them, but they're a ton of fun. Uh, Tess, my wife is pregnant. We're expecting another child in uh, February. So definitely have our hands full over here. I I'd say a lot of time that is outside of content creation and going to my day job or working out is just figuring out what to do with the kids at, at home. It, you know, we went to a parade over the weekend. We went to a downtown event. Uh, I think we're always just looking for stuff to keep them occupied because they, they need to be occupied. And, you know, as it gets colder, we're going to have to be creative about what to do with them. So that's, that's always a ton of fun. And, you know, that's always got to come first at the end of the day. I, I could be, you know, somebody that loves to work out, someone that goes to the office, somebody that content creates, but, you know, putting the kids and the family first, you know, has to be the thing. Yes, it is. Mine are all old now. My youngest one's already in college. So you, I get, you got a lot of work to do, but it's a, it's a fun ride, man. It, it, it happens like that. You know, yes. you know how fast you grew up. Just these kids are going to go so fast. As you, I mean, you see it every day with your own, with your own, you know, your own daughter. So. Yeah. So, yeah. You yeah, never know what say, to expect. I... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my my son Walker just turned 10, and I remember him being three, four, like it was yesterday, and hanging out with me, and like, now he just plays video games, he doesn't need me to entertain him, or hang out with him all the time, but like back then, he's three, four years old, man, they're like, they're in your business every moment, oh, yeah. they want you to spend every second with them, like they, it's it's just totally different, so yeah, it's it's crazy, it goes quick though, man, it does, like John said, it goes quick. It's funny. Yeah, you never know what to expect when it comes to three-year-olds. I feel like uh, between Mila and Cyrus, I think every day, I don't know what's going to come out of one of their mouths. I don't know what they're going to be up to. I don't know what they're thinking. It's just, it's a fun age. It's funny. The girls like around fifth, sixth, seventh grade around there, they just, they just ask, you know, you know, boys come into picture and dad's the enemy and all men are evil, you know, kind of thing like that. And it's like, what's going on here? And the boys are your best friends. You're going sports and stuff with them. And then all of a sudden, like it changes. Now the girls come back like sophomore, junior year of high school. And then the boys are, you know, they're, they're doing their thing and they're macho teenagers and you know, the captain of football team, all that kind of stuff. So a different stage of life, it's going to be, you're going to be in for a treat there, Nick, with those changes of uh, emotions all the time with girls and boys, but oh, yeah. you know, you'll, 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 you'll handle it. What's your favorite food? I've been in your garage before having pizza and mm-hmm. stuff. What's your favorite food when you go to the TV on red zone uh, Sunday afternoons? Red zone Sundays, it sounds super lame, but uh, like pretzel, pretzel chips and salsa, and then uh, a bunch of uh, adult juices. I think that's that's my my good uh, combo right there. Um, I think uh, my wife will attest to that. I mean, pizza is always good. Wings is always good. Dips are always good. But I think like some some chips and salsa and, and plenty of beer is all I need for Sunday. Very good. Very good. All right. Commissioner questions here. Well, we're not, not so much the question this week, but um, just kind of some advice. Check on your schedule now if you join a new league and make sure your commissioner has week 14 as the final week of the season, not week 13. There are still buys in week 13. And may also make sure your commissioner does not schedule the playoffs in week 18 
because those are the worst weeks, the worst in buys, as most of your good players will still be just sitting because they've already clinched their playoff berths, things like that. You know, it's settings are important for fantasy football leagues. Uh, the sites are important for fantasy football leagues. But a schedule is just as important as all the rest of this stuff. So it's not making fun of your commissioner or it's not like, you know, saying he's not doing a good job. Sometimes he didn't realize what he put in the settings. It might be a little too late now. You'll have to deal with it this year. But next year, it's something you could punch in when the season starts just to make sure that, uh, you know, everything's done. Sometimes it's a process, you know. So being a commissioner is not easy. Just jump in and everything goes correctly. It took me years uh, as, my, as well as many every other commissioner out there. It took them years to figure out all the bugs or what's going on or do you have to do these things before the season or you got to do these things mid-season, you know, all that kind of stuff. So just help your commissioner out. It's not so much poking fun at them or embarrassing them. It is really just helping them. So check do those settings. So, well, Yeah, John, I was going to say that's a, that's a big thing. I, I know when they went to the extra week in the NFL season, it threw a ton of stuff off. I was in a couple leagues that were – you know, 15, 20 year redraft leagues, and they really struggle to figure out how to switch the schedule, how to adjust it because they just hadn't ever done it. And we had a couple times where, you know, people are starting playoffs way early. Everyone's on bye week. I mean, I had years where JT and his monster year was on bye week in the playoffs. And I'm like, my number one player is not going to play in the playoffs for me. I'm like, oh my, it is. So I always tell people bring those up. I've had issues with my leagues. John, I know you're like me. You like to do some divisions. Well, my divisions change every year depending on where you finish. So I've had years where I think the schedule's right. I, I hit the automatic schedule button on MLF or Sleeper, and then it comes in and, and the matchups don't actually match up correctly. So if you see something that's wrong, definitely tell your commissioner because I've had people help me out like, hey, man, do you know realize I'm playing this one team three times and I don't play this other team at all? And I'm like, whoa, what? Really? And what's ended up happening to me, and I don't know if anybody else has had this, typically for me, since they went to one extra week in the NFL season, I have one week in my set schedule that gets messed up every year on MLF. There's always one week when you hit the set schedule at the end of the year, it somehow screws up and people don't play the right teams or the right division. So if you notice that, <laughs> please tell your commission. Because I'm like, I always love when somebody points something out to me, something's wrong, somebody's like, you know, got people on IR that aren't supposed to be on IR. Is something wrong with the system? Do I not have it set up right? So I'm always those people tell me immediately as a commish, Hey, this is not right. Feel free to throw out suggestions. I, I had, I did that on a bunch of leagues. I don't commission. I'm like, Hey, why are we starting the playoffs so early with an extra week? Like, why are we not pushing it back? Plus I'm still in this boat and I'm going to hammer this forever. They have to do something about these bye weeks late in the season. So many teams on bye weeks. I mean, I know the NFL is like, hey, we care about the games, fantasy is fantasy, but fantasy and sports betting is what make the NFL as popular as it is. It literally, it's why they're the most popular sport. You have to adjust those things. And having zero bye weeks, multiple weeks during the season, and then having four or six teams out when it's like the most crucial time of the year in fantasy for playoffs, I just, I, there's all kinds of AI out there. There's no way the AI can't figure this out. Like, yeah. there's no way they can't go through here and figure out the, how to make it a little more even with buys, where it's not two teams one week, six teams the next week. Like, even this out a little bit, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It just seems crazy to me. That's my rant for the night. But that that is that is something that's been bothering me like crazy, seeing all these no no buy weeks last week, a million buys this week. Like, what are we doing? 
Yeah, well, I think because of Thanksgiving, they had the Thursday games, all three Thursday games, so they didn't have t- didn't have a chance to head the buys. But it, my leagues, as, as Nick knows, he's been in for a couple of years, and JT, you're in this year. I had what's called a divisional play all week one, and then I had the original. Then I had the original 13 game schedule, which I have to do by hand. Every I don't know if you guys realize that or not, but I have the division opponents in week one to three or two to four, and then 12 to 14 at the end. So if you guys if you have injuries in the beginning of the season. It doesn't kill your divisions, you know, when you play your division opponents. That's a big tiebreaker. So you want then your opponent may have injuries at the end of the season. He's not getting killed. You know, you get on, you know, ESPN or you know some of these other ones like you said before, and they'll hit. You're playing your same division opponents in week one and three or twelve and fourteen. It's like what the shit, man. My whole out just last week, I had Josh Allen. Now I'm not without these guys. You know, and then we have a, also you'll see in our league, JT. We have a division draft every year. So depending on where you end up at, you get to pick your. It's kind of a make fun of the people who are terrible in the league because now the people who won get to pick the the players they play against in their division draft, you know? So it's, it just adds extra wrinkles, you know, but you know, having the schedules, it's not always that easy. I have to do that stuff for all of my home leagues by hand yeah. and set it in week by week, team by team. You know, first of all, make up the schedule and then also input it into the, into the uh, site itself. So uh, there's a lot of things commissioners need to do. Uh, it all depends on your commissioner. If you're not, if you're not, if you're in a bad league with a bad commissioner that doesn't give a shit, then you know there's plenty of good commissioners out there who go above and beyond to make these things. Uh, you know, you know, JT Nick runs a couple leagues too. It's just, it's not, it's not easy. We put a lot of work in that nobody sees or nobody cares about. But at the end of the day, I enjoy doing that. That's what I enjoy doing. I like to come up with these videos you see every day on, you know, or once a week on my on my uh, feed about my leagues, what's going on, who's the playoff contention. It was my topic this week. So just, uh, you know, just be a good commissioner. Be a good dude if you're going to run a league. You know, make sure you put your time in to do it. So, yeah. Well, John, you just it. made a good point. I mean, you go in a hand doing all the schedule. Like, I've done that where I've double-checked, triple-checked, and I missed something. So, like, if you see something, like, let your commission know. I guarantee he didn't mess that up on purpose. You know, you're, you're doing a lot of leagues. You do something. And, and the same thing, the one thing I brought up, and like you just said, the play all week. So I've had to bring that up with the now if you're in a league that has 12 teams, you have 14 weeks, you play everybody once, how do you handle those two other weeks? Do you play teams again? Do you play do a play all? I've started doing, like you said, I do a week one always play all because everybody's got everybody. Now I'm in leagues that also do the last week, week 14 before the playoffs as a play all. But uh, some guys are on buy, so that always hurts. So sometimes, you know, I'm in a couple leagues that do it week one and week two. Or play all, so you're assuming most teams have their full, you know, allotment of players. So that's something definitely to bring up in your league too. If things are a little off, just depending on what you think, you know, might work best for your league. Yeah, it complicates you know, in with that the, situation. It complicates with how many teams in your league, and if you have divisions yep. and stuff too. If you just go by all points, it doesn't matter. You know, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. It's all points. Exactly. The so the more complicated to make the league, the more work it is for you. But you know, it is what it is. So. All right, so uh, let's we got done with the commissioner stuff. Let's get to injuries here uh, for quarterback Baker Baker, the touchdown maker, ankle monitored this guy was he able to keep playing. But those are those you know ankles are funny. They swell up sometimes when the weight's off them for a while. Uh, and then Dorian Thompson Robinson Cleveland concussion. Those could be a one day, one week, one month. You know, it all depends on the concussion aspect. Any other any other quarterback injuries that you guys think of? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I, think that was about I, was about I did get to go 
Colts Bucks game on Sunday. I actually was pumped. One of my buddies is a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I know blows my mind as well. I don't know how he is, but he loves Baker Mayfield. He got to bring his son to the game. They had a great time. He was like devastated. He's like, he got hurt on the first drive. He's like, yeah. we, the only reason we came to the game is to watch Baker. He's going to be hurt the whole game. Luckily, he came back, and it was ended up being a good game. But I actually almost felt really bad for him. I'm like, oh, man, you guys just bought these tickets from me. Yeah. And then he gets hurt on the first drive. So, yeah, that was at least good to see that he got to come back, at least for those guys. And the Colts won, which is always a good thing. Yeah, for Colts fans, yes, of course. For Colts fans, yes. <laughs> Running back, Travis Etienne got a chest injury. He was able to continue playing. Javante Williams with a neck. I've had neck stingers before. They are not fun depending on the severity. I got an X-Singer in a playoff game when I was in high school, and it felt like somebody took a, a, a red-hot railroad spike and drilled it right in my right in my uh, you know shoulder blade. It, it hurts really bad. So for guys to come back on the field after that, you know, good for them. It takes about a half hour for it to even stop hurting when you get them, depending on the severity. So any other running back injuries you can think of? Well, Jonathan Taylor. Out, yeah, I was going to say JT today, man, huge injury news. Must up his thumb. They didn't say exactly what it was, but he had surgery on it. He's out at least one to two weeks, maybe two to three. Uh, it's brutal. Uh, he was just starting to crush it for all my fancy teams running into the playoffs. I had to go make a couple crazy waiver wire pickups this week because I had a bunch of guys on by and there's no one left out there. I did go. I did. I'm trying to get Antonio Gibson, your boy, in one league. There was no one else on the waiver wire. And so I was like, I got to I was like, of course, I was like, I need Antonio Gibson to replace JT this week. And I'm 12th on the waiver wire list. I'm like, God. I'm like, it's I my, hope nobody it, else sees him. It's my fault because I just traded away Zach Moss to get Michael Wilson in the rebuild team. So because I traded away Zach oh. Moss, that's what happened. Oh, so. you did it, John. It's all your fault. I did it. It's I, all I, your fault. I create the, every time I trade someone away, that that's exactly what happens. So. Uh, Chris Olave, New Orleans concussion, might miss a week or so. Concussions are funny. Rahid Shahid also, a uh, quad, might miss a week. Those are, uh, you know, the tight muscle injuries are, are no joke sometimes. Demario Douglas, Pop Douglas, got clotheslined, monitor. Sometimes, like I read in a couple of articles, that uh, sometimes the concussions that don't happen right away are the worst because of the fact that late concussion syndromes are, like, the worst were worse than the original like concussions when they happen. If they start doing that's a two or three or four week uh you know monitoring situation when they have late concussions. So hopefully he's okay. As of right now, he seems to be okay. Amari Cooper got smushed, got smacked right at ribs. We all know how that works. JT, I know I know your slipping side story with the with the ribs. I broke a couple ribs myself. It hurts to it hurts to live. It hurts to lay down. It hurts to breathe. It hurts to laugh. It hurts to sneeze. It hurts to cough. Anything. It's terrible. So any other wide receivers that I missed? Not that I can think of. Yeah, I think you got you got the main ones. Tight ends, I think we're marked safe from tight end injuries this week. Also, uh, last week we had the Packers tight end go down, um, but this week uh, I think we're good. So we're gonna, that's a good thing to have. Uh, waiver wires. Uh, this is this is the part of the fantasy season. I, I've highlighted a handful of players here for each position we'll go through. Uh, any quarterback that's passing and rushing ability is decent on, on a decent offense. Guys like Tannehill, Jameis Winston, of course, you should be on all your teams already. Sam Darnold being JT, uh, love this dude. Trubisky, Mike White types, those, those guys should all, if they're on your waiver wire and you have room, make sure you pick up quarterbacks because quarterbacks are one of the most important positions. So, But uh, Kyle Trask, if something happens to Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker, if Dorian Thompson Robinson is out. Any other quarterback uh, waiver wires you guys can think of this week? 
Um, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to, you know, redraft and dynasty are two different things. You know, I, I mentioned guys like, uh, you know, I mentioned Jordan Love for redraft purposes. I, I'm sure this is for, you know, dynasty, um, dynasty listeners. But uh, I think when you look at the roster percentages for redraft, you can, you can stream a guy like Jordan Love. You can stream a guy like maybe Russell Wilson, who's had a couple top 12 weeks. Uh, it just depends on the, the, the type of league you're in. Yeah, yeah, I think Russell's a great streaming option. I picked him up in a couple of redraft leagues where I had uh, some QB injuries, or I'm going to have like I have a perfect example. I have Justin Fields in a couple of leagues on bye this week, and I was only carrying one quarterback. Russell Wilson's a nice, nice, solid pickup if he's just sitting out there in a redraft league. Yes, second most important position I think is uh, running back. Any backup running back that has a shot at being relevant in the fantasy playoffs, or could be a home run if they're. You, Part of their committee is banged up. Deep guys like, you know, possibly Leonard Fournette, um, Tiff, uh, Travion Williams, Pierre Strong, Patrick Taylor, Zach Moss, who we just talked about, Tank Bigsby, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, possibly. I know everybody, he's the laughing stock in the league, but if something happened to Pacheco, he could have a shot. Joshua Kelly, Zamir White, any Dolphins running back, Kendra Miller, Israel Abanacanda, Elijah Mitchell, Sean Tucker. Uh, you know, and as always, Antonio Gibson, of course, we'll mention him about 30 times on this show every week, but that's, you know, that's the way it is. So any other running backs you guys can think of that uh, we should be on the waiver wire for redraft or dynasty? I think uh, one one guy not touching the ball tons right now, but he's had a good day on the ground and and through the air the last two weeks. Some AJP Ryan uh, seven catches for sixty yards in week eleven, and then fifty five rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in week twelve. So they, they seem to be letting him touch the ball more. He's been productive, and now like you said before, Javante's a little uh, banged up with that neck injury, so maybe he's somebody to think about. A guy I'm not looking for this week, but next week if you're looking ahead. Um, Latavius Murray has been getting touches for the Bills. They're on bye week this week. So I I, I think he's going to get dropped by a lot of people if they need a running back. He's probably their first drop since he's on bye. He's a guy I'm looking for if I want to put in to maybe pick him up. Or if he's already on bye, somebody already pre-dropped him coming in this week, know he's on bye. He's a guy I'm looking to pick up. He's just been getting enough carries. He's been solid all around the goal line. You know, at this point in the season, Beggars can't be choosers. You want a guy that's got a chance to get a touchdown. He's a guy. So if you got room on your roster, I would pick up Latavius Murray this week while he's on a bye if you have space and you can do it because a bunch of people are going to go try to grab him next week uh, when he comes back from that bye. Yes, sir. Uh, also, wide receiver. Any wide receiver that has shown flashes in big games or is sitting on the IR now that league mates had to cut, like, you know, guys like that stepped in right now, like Greg Dortch, who, you know, just he's always been on most of my rosters, but. Uh, you know, he does fill in when he gets a chance, does a good job. OBJ, you know, is kind of a polarizing player. Jonathan Mingo, I love Jonathan Mingo. Cedric Tillman is someone who I have in a lot of my rosters, really like him a lot. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, uh, that's uh, um, uh, one of my favorites also. Denzel, or Marvin Mims, he might get a shot if somebody goes down there. Sky Moore, Josh Palmer is a uh, big, that's somebody definitely you should go after. A.T. Perry from New Orleans, with a lot of injuries on the team this year, so. Uh, a lot of injuries this week on New Orleans itself. Trey Palmer from Tampa Bay, Curtis Samuel from Washington, guys like that. Any other wide receivers you guys can think of that, uh, you know, that for a redraft uh, and dynasty playoff runs? I love that uh, Joshua Palmer plug because I think everybody Absolutely. forgot about him and, and they don't know when he's coming back. I, I think he needs to be picked up because they're desperate for somebody to step up besides Keenan Allen. I'm going to mention um, Jamison Williams, who a lot of people don't think is, is good or they think, you know, doesn't do well with his opportunities, but 22 and 25.5 yards per catch the last two weeks. If he gets more 
volume. I, I mean, he had a good explosive profile. He just has to be a little bit more consistent with what he does. Demario Douglas might not play this week, but he's a good guy to stash 18 targets in his last two games played combined. He's looking like the wide receiver one for the Patriots. Um, Jaden Reeds was still available in some leagues. Obviously he should be the number one priority if he is available. Uh, Jalen Hyatt just had a good game. They're going to be on a bye week, but maybe, you know, they're looking for uh, experience for the rookies. So there, there's definitely some guys that I think are a little bit more sneaky than people realize because people don't look at bigger picture things. I think sometimes. Yeah. I'll second Josh Palmer. I, I leagues I had, I was picking him up everywhere like five, six, seven weeks ago before the injury, he was killing it. I, if I could put him on IR, I put him on IR short benches. I dropped him. He's a guy I'm looking to pick back up. And then Curtis Samuel, you know, we've been talking, talking oh, yeah. about it forever. He's got the ability, man, had a monster game last week. He's a guy uh, that I'm picking up if I don't already have him. Uh, if you got Sam Howell, he's a great stack with Sam Howell. So I like that as well. Yes. Tight end. Any tight end that plays in the slot frequently has a path to targets, like, you know, a Charlie Kohler, Harrison Bryant, who just caught a touchdown last week, Luke Schoenmaker, Greg, Ols Greg Dulcich coming off IR soon, hopefully. Uh, Brock Wright, you saw him get a touchdown last week or two weeks ago. But Brevin Jordan, uh, a fan favorite for a while, hasn't really produced yet, but if he gets a chance, he's the depth chart is shrinking there. Uh, Josh Oliver, Minnesota. Uh, we know how much Minnesota throws the tight end. Mike Gusecki, uh, Josh Weil, who I have in a lot of my teams. I it's just somebody that I like, I like stashing. Uh, and then um, Pat Firemuth, Pittsburgh. Obviously, we saw what he did last week, his first week back from, on the team. Juwan Johnson might have a big uh, week this week because of the injuries. Tucker Craft from Green Bay, same thing. He's got a great opportunity right now. Any tight ends uh, you guys should uh, are, are uh, besides those guys I mentioned? Uh, I want to mention just really quickly, just like a little redraft strategy, but a guy like Pat Fryermuth should have never been put back on a waivers. Most leagues have an IR spot. I think he always was going to be worth that. He almost had 100 targets last season. He's been a big part of this Pittsburgh offense. So when people you know, were surprised last week that he had a big game, like I, I don't think I really was because he's been having big games. So that's a, a good point. You have an IR spot. I know he's a tight end, but stash him. Uh, sneak, sneaky guy. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert for the, the Jets, you know, uh, Conklin was having some decent usage, but Ruckert the last two weeks, his snap percentages been uh, climbing and he's had four targets in, in both of his uh, last two games. So that's maybe a deeper league guy to take a look at. Yeah, I love Rucker. I got him on a ton of dynasty leagues. I took him early as a guy that I figured would take two or three years to kind of hit. Uh, so I'm loving the usage out of him lately. And in Fryermuth, I've seen him, especially in redraft leagues, he got dropped all over the place, which yeah. is crazy. I'm picking him up everywhere. I if if I didn't already have him, which is you know 80% of my rosters because I love Muth. But you saw the difference when he wasn't in the lineup, the Steelers didn't use the middle of the field at all. I mean, they did not throw in the middle of the field at all. He came back, and, man, it made a huge difference. It, that's such a different team when he actually gets looks and they put the ball across the middle, opens everything up for him. I mean, that's it's what we thought, or at least what I thought I was getting out of Muth most of the year this year was this last game. I thought he was going to do a lot of that this season. It hasn't worked out so far. Hopefully he comes to play You know, the rest of the year and the hamstring injury is behind him. JT, I really appreciate you sitting fire booth on the bench this week. We playing me, you know. I appreciate. No, it, it's like I much. played him. In, I played him in like half my leagues. I like. I was like, usually I'm all or nothing. You know me. I love to double down. I'm like more, more, more. I'm like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna take it easy. I played him half and half. Like half my leagues, I played him. Half my leagues, I didn't. And then I was like, of course he has a monster week when I don't. The first time all year, I don't believe in him. <laughs> 
He has a monster week. I can't believe I had the worst. I purposely had the worst team in the history of the world. I have like a three game winning streak right now. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm Same trying to lose. To me. I was I was like <laughs> oh and eight in that league. Then I won like three weeks in a row, and now I'm like back to my losing ways. But it's like we're me and you fighting for that number one seed. We're gonna we're gonna watch the balls drop, see what happens. Yeah, well, uh, someone's already. I think Nick's in there pick, actually so. with us at this point too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick, yes, Nick, yes. Nick's falling off the. I think we're oh, like yeah. three of the worst teams in the league. So as yes, like, yes, we're all rebuilding. Now. We're all rebuilding, like <laughs> very, very try hard rebuilding right now. I think. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, we got these quick hits. It's a fifteen to twenty seconds per team. Real fast. Hopefully, uh, we can get through these as soon as possible. We go team by team. Just do a quick hits. Uh, you guys, you're illuminated. Your name is in front of each team. I'll call the. I'll ask questions. You guys answer with some brief, uh, important answers that you feel are um, as best possible to answer the question. So, JT, the Bears is the play calling. Minnesota has an aggressive blitzing defense. Fields holds on to the ball too long. The plays had to be called to get the ball out of Justin Fields' hands fast. Can we finally just say it's Justin Fields' only deep pass were against deep zone prevent defense? which is an obviously terrible idea down by one by Brian Flores, who I think is a defensive genius. That was a big mistake on the last drive when he hit, when he hit DJ Moore for like a 30-yard gain, which got me a six-point bonus lead that got me a win. But but I just think for a guy like Brian, Brian Flores to call that defense when you're only down by one point was terrible. But anyway, to the Bears, what is the story with this? Is, is it the play calling? Is it Justin Fields? What is the, uh, what's the answer to this question? All right, this one I can't do real quick, but I'm going to try to – Flores, I actually think the Steelers screwed up not hiring him as a defensive coordinator. I really awesome. like him. I thought he coached. I thought he had a really good game plan the whole game till the very end, like you said. But that DJ Moore pass, that is what makes you think that Justin Fields can be the man. I mean, he put that thing on a dime laser ball right where he needed to be. I have no problem with screen passes here and there. The problem is when you it's all you run, everyone knows it's coming. And again, if you're a coordinator and a team blitzes you a lot and they bring the heat, you have to talk to your quarterback about hot routes and what are you going to do if you don't have the hot route? Are you throwing it away? Do you have a, a deep guy you can chuck it up to that maybe can make a play for you? you got to talk about these things in advance. Just not throwing deep all game is not an option. It's it's brutal. I mean, I thought when Dobbs, they came out and ran a play action, Dobbs, and ran the deep ball to Jordan Addison, they almost pulled in in double coverage to start the game. I was like, why are the Bears not doing that more? I mean, that that was what Fields excelled at in college, was, was throwing the play action and then putting out bombs and just dropping them on a dime. I don't understand it. I know it's somewhat Fields and them not trusting him, but he can throw the ball. The guy, the guy has proved that. I just don't understand. Screen passes here and there are fine, but every other play, I mean, if you looked at the passing chart, it was brutal. Everything was, brutal. was two to three yards on the wide outside. I mean, you don't have to be a defensive genius to know that's coming. You just start jumping those routes. And again, if you're running screen passes and you're losing two to three yards every time you're running them, obviously that's not the right call. Obviously that's not the play to be running because the other team's ready for it. Screen passes are built. And the whole reason you run screens is to take advantage of teams being too aggressive. aggressive. Yeah. Well, when you're running it right into that aggression, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They got to do something else. They uh, they got to start using Cole Komet more. Cole Komet across the middle. They got to get him some dump offs. It's uh, they gotta it, do, was, it was a brutal game to watch. It really was do, brutal offensively. They got to do timing patterns. One, two, three. Chuck the ball at forty Damn. yards deep. That's what I'm saying. That has to, to be, be talked about as a coach. But pre pre game, 
You have to say, hey, this team brings pressure. They bring a lot of heat. You're not going to have a lot of time. you got to get in his ear early in the week and be like, hey, where's our hot route? Who's the guy you're looking for? We're going to run more three-step drops than we have in the past. Hey, if you, you know, you you got it. You got a game plan that you got to be in your quarterback's ear the whole game. Hey, they're coming. They're coming, but you got to be ready. Stand in there. Stand there. Make a throw. Step up in the pocket. You might get hit, but put the ball in the money. It, it just it seems like they're not even thinking about that. It, you got speedsters like Mooney and uh, who's the other guy? Um, who's the fast kid? Uh, they just well, you got you, Scott. Uh, Scott super yeah. fast. You got, I mean, you got DJ. That's what Warner I'm talking about. Plays everywhere. Those, those one, two, three. Throw the ball fifty yards on a timing pattern. Have it. You know, you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss somebody. And they're not. As, you're gonna miss them, but guys are gonna make plays sometimes. And right. again, trust. It's like anything else. It's like if you don't run the ball ever. Well, then right. the team's never gonna be right. If you never throw the ball deep. Every safety, every corner is jumping the short routes. Right. They're all over the short routes because they know they're coming and they have no worry about getting beat deep. I'm going to call Justin Fields golf because he's like golf. Every once in a while, you get like a great shot that keeps bringing you back. That's all that he does. Justin Fields is golf. He gets like one good pass every game. You're like, he could do it. And then you, that's what I'm saying. That DJ Moore passed and they brought him back to get the win. You're like, that is what Justin Fields can be. He just stepped into that throw, freaking rocket right in there. And you're like, yeah, this is the man. And it's like, uh, it uh, again, I think it's a lot of play calling. And it's, I just think they're not, I don't think they're using them the way that they need to use them personally. Yeah. All right. Sorry, that was, that was more, my long way to seconds, I'll be way faster now. Way we, faster the rest of the time. <laughs> we knew that was coming because it was the Bears, so we had to get that one out of the way. All right, Nick, Bengals. Joe Mixon is getting all the backfield work this year because they know he's the best they have right now, but he's also not their future, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, he's played as a workhorse this whole season. He, he's a true dual threat um, running back just based off of the numbers. I think he hits 50 receptions this season. The The thing is they have him this year and next year, and then in 2025 he's an unrestricted free agent. So do they pay him at 29 and 30 at that time? Probably not. I think he'd have to to take a, a pay cut or come in for the low if he thinks they're a Super Bowl contender. I think that the Bengals long-term have bigger – Priorities. I think they have to continue to address the O-line. I think that's very evident. Also, both T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd hit free agency in 2024. So what are they doing there? Are they going to pay somebody else? Are they going to pay T. Higgins? Uh, I, I just think that there's other priorities versus you know, making sure Joe Mixon's part of their long-term game plan. I think they're a team that wants to emphasize the passing attack, wants Burrow to have his weapons. I think whoever the running back is, is just, you know, the, the, the complement of the offense. It's not going to be the feature of the offense ever in a Joe Burrow offense. So is he part of the future? Maybe, but I, I think the priorities are elsewhere. Yeah, probably not. JT bills 29 for 51, 30, 339 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, nine carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns. What else can Josh Allen do to win? He's never won an overtime, but, I mean, this guy is doing everything. Absolutely murdered a parlay. I could kill me. My my buddy sent me a trub parlay. It was all teams that Mitch Trubisky had played for. We we were at Bills, Steelers, Bears parlay. Ah, oh, we thought we had it. Um, the, the Bills are Josh Allen. I did. It's, it's going to be like what the Packers used to be. It's Josh Allen plays awesome and carries into a victory by himself, or he has a bunch of turnovers and they lose. I just that is what we need to decide. That's who the Bills are now. They yeah. are the Favre Packers. When Favre plays out of his mind, they beat anyone and everyone. When Favre turns the ball over a bunch of times, they lose because it's all on him. And that's where we're at with Josh Allen. 
The Bills just are not good enough unless he plays heroics. And that's going to get you in trouble because, again, he now knows that and he feels like he has to make every play. And that's going to lead to some turnovers. You're going get to some, get some good with some bad. Obviously, the record's bad. It, but no one wants to play this team in the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, nobody's going to want the Bills, especially like a two or three seed where the Bills are on the road. Ah, that's going to be scary for teams. Josh Allen's doing what he can. Again, you're going to take the good with the bad with him. You know that at this point in his career. Yeah. Nick Broncos, why is Russell Wilson running 11 times when you have Javante Williams and Cortland Sutton on a six-game touchdown streak? I think the simple answer is he's he's not forcing plays. I, I think he's avoiding turnovers at all costs. I think he's trying to be efficient. So when things break down, I think he's been tucking and running. He has zero interceptions in eight of his 11 games played this season. So he's been competent, not turning over the ball through the air. And I think that's just kind of been what, he, what he's been about. If he's not seeing something, he's not going to force it to, to anybody from that wide receiver room. And, and he's been running a bit more. I mean, he's always kind of been a guy that that is a sneaky runner. We don't talk about him like a Lamar Jackson or anything. He's not, you know, that sort of ceiling rusher. But he, he has done it through his career. But I think there is a focus on not forcing plays. I love when he slides, too. I love watching baseball players or quarterbacks. You can always tell, like, the Patrick Mahomes and the Russell Wilsons, when they run, they get slide. Like, it's like a, it's like an art form, the way they slide. Instead of these, some of these guys have no idea how to slide. It's actually hilarious watching them try to some go Some of these dudes, you think they're going to hurt themselves on the slide. I'm like, don't slide. Don't slide. They look awkward like they're going to blow a knee out. I'm like, just right. lay down on your belly. Just go forward. Because, like, some of these guys go to slide. I'm like, I get all nervous. I'm like, what are you doing? All right. Yeah. JT Browns, four, nine carries, 65 yards, 7.2 yards per carry. Kareem Hunt, seven carries, 22 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. Why isn't Ford getting the ball more? I think this is an issue where NFL coaches get in their brain that they have the game plan and they have guys set for certain series and they just go with that and they don't look and adjust during the game. I think they say, oh, well, you're getting the third series, and then whatever plays they're calling, you're getting those carries, and they don't make in-game adjustments going, hey, Ford's carrying the ball great. Let's not put Hunt in the series that he's due to go in. I just think that it happens a lot in the NFL where people just get locked into what they're doing, and they don't make that adjustment. Now, obviously, Ford should be getting more carries, but that that would be my guess is what's happening. I just think you see that in certain series. You're like, why is this guy sitting? And they're like, well, it was this his turn or these guys turn to be in, you're like on a huge series you're just going to go with the rotation, but I see it happen all the time. So it wouldn't surprise me. If that's exactly what the, the reasoning is. Nick Buccaneers, probably my worst trade of the year was trading away Rashad White to Nick on a team that he was, oh, yeah. was, was rebuilding. And now it's like halfway rebuilt because he's got Rashad White, but I think he's in for a good time, not a long time, but what's what Rashad White actually gaining yardage between the tackles. Now I, I, I know he's a PPR guy, but, this is bullshit if he's going to get all the carries too and get the yardage. Yeah, I think he, he's, he's still just growing and learning as a rusher. He had 50 catches last year as a rookie, so he was involved there. But he has 27 more rushing attempts this season playing six less games. So he's obviously carrying the ball a lot more than he did in that rookie season. The rushing efficiency hasn't been great, but week 12 was his third week. Uh, over four yards per carry. It was at 6.67 yards per carry. So, I mean, it, it, we're seeing some flashes. I think he's just, again, growing as a rusher. Workhorse running back, played 80 and 87% of the snaps the last two. Dual threat running back, I, I, I've i liked him a lot this season. And he, he's just kind of untouched with competition in that backfield. 
JST, the team we did last week, which we talked about with Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes as quarterbacks, and I'm like four and nineteen. It's like what the shit, man. This is bullshit. What I that was a team I should probably should have kept Rashad White on. You know, just did you know probably one at least one or two more games, maybe. But it is what it is. But JT Cardinals is Greg Dorch going to be a staple of this offense going forward? Greg Dorch the torch. He always seems to fit in at some point in the season where right. he has a couple big games, and then he's like, you're like, oh, Dorch is going to start like playing him all the time. He's going to be like a mean factor, and then three games later, he disappears. I, I Here's the thing is, I don't want any Cardinals wide receiver outside of Wilson probably at this point just because mm-hmm. I, don't want, I don't know what they're doing with any of them. It's right. like Rondell Moore looks good one week. Hollywood looks good one week, then three weeks he completely disappears. You're like, hey, is he on the roster? Did he get cut? What happened? It's like it makes no sense to me. I mean, the only guy you can like right now is Trey McBride, which I already traded him to you. But then I felt – I looked at it later. I felt less bad about it when I realized I have Laporta and Muth. And I was like, oh, I was trading you, McBride, because I had three – Stud tight end, so now I don't feel so bad about the trade. Stop but, making excuses. Uh, you got fucking smoked on the <laughs> trade. <laughs> but no, I just. But I mean, Dorch is like, if you can get him when he hits, you're great because he he always gets about three or four games a year where he kills it for you. Yeah. What's up, Wendy? Hey, Wendy. Thanks for joining in. <laughs> Chicago uh, Scott Fishbowl in person live draft person with us. Thanks for being there, uh, Nick Chargers. Without Keenan Allen, how bad would this team be? Yeah, so uh, 85 more targets than the second most targeted player on the team, Keenan Allen. If you were to combine the number two into the number three and the number four targeted players, they would have nine less combined targets than Keenan Allen does this season. So that just speaks to how far and away he is on this team. I mean, Mike Williams was a solid wide receiver too. Obviously, his season ended. I think Joshua Palmer has like sort of stepped up at times, had, had some decent games. The Chargers are four and seven. So uh, without Keenan Allen, I... I don't know what they are in all honesty. They're, they're, they're not off to a good, good start this year. And he is just like on an Island as far as like targets go. And it's, you know, hats off to him. He's like the Cooper cup of, of this season. What we saw a couple years ago for him. Yeah. The people who, who, who just ignored the echo chamber of Keenan Allen's getting old. He is his last season. He's hurt and kept him under team are being super rewarded right now. So JT chiefs, Rasheed Rice is now Patrick Mahomes new one B to Travis Kelsey going forward. Yes or no. Uh, I agree. I love Rasheed Rice. He was a guy I liked coming in. I thought he would be good on this team. I knew it would take a little bit of time. It just usually does with these rookies. And now you're seeing he's starting to make plays. And, I mean, next to Sky Moore, MVS, and Justin Watson, I mean, how do you not look better than those guys? i just be honest with you. So I like Rasheed Rice a lot. I He's probably going to be hard to acquire if you don't have him right now. Uh, but I just think upside for him is just is going to keep going up, up, and up. Yeah, I thought he was like going to be like a like a mirror of Sky Moore because another you know small conference early declare you know that kind of stuff. But Rasheed Rice is doing what we hope Sky Moore was supposed he to. He was do last a year. much more productive college player than Sky Moore. Uh, I mean, Rasheed Rice was a super ultra productive college player. That's that's all I'm going to say there. He, I mean, he was ultra productive in college. Why? Because he did special teams too. He did, he did everything, and he just they threw the ball a million times. I mean, he had – I'd have to go back and look. He had over 90 catches at least yeah. two or three seasons in college. I mean, the guy was ultra productive. All right, Nick, you get the Colts because I don't want JT talking for three hours. So Josh Downs earned 13 targets last week. Is there still a buy window for Downs, or did you miss it? Did you miss it if you didn't roster him already? 
Yeah, I think the buy window was those two games he played 20 and then 25% of the snaps. Everybody just looks at the, the fantasy scores and says, oh, man, this guy's not producing. But he was playing through that knee injury. He had the bye week, and then he played 68% of the snaps in week 13. If you look at weeks three through eight, he ranked 19th in targets, 13th in receptions, 13 in receiving yards, and tied for 14th in total fantasy points. So he was balling out. So dynasty perspective, when you see a, a rookie balling out for a handful of weeks, you're probably not selling him, right? Redraft. There's there 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 was your window I think if he was dropped or if you would have bought low but he looks healthy now which is what we we wanted. JT Cowboy, Cowboys Dak Prescott has the elite vision to see the whole field as ten players saw targets. Would you rather have Tua or Dak if you were starting a franchise tomorrow? For me, I'm taking Tua just based on age and everything else. I mean, if you're going head to head with it right now, I mean. We've seen Dak. Dak has the ability. He's has these these windows where he goes like four or six games and he looks like damn near the best quarterback in the league. And then you see him fall apart at other times. It happens. Everybody has ups and downs. The problem, I think, for Dak is he typically has the downs at the big time games in the playoffs. That's what ends up hurting him because, you know, as far as fantasy production, as far as, as being a really good quarterback, I mean, Dak's right up there. I just he gets way more hate than it's deserved, and I think it's because he's burned people at the worst possible times, and that's why people don't like him. But I mean, he has as much ability as anybody, and he can put together awesome weeks. But I personally am taking the upside of Tua, um, and that might be a mistake. But at this point, age wise, I would take him. Nick, real quick, D- Dak or Tua? I'm just a huge Tua fan as well. I mean, Dak, Dak, the last like what four or five weeks has been on absolute fire. Like, who, who's been better during that stretch than Dak Prescott when it comes to fantasy football? But I don't know. I, I mean, I'll talk talk about two in a minute. But I, I'm I've just been a really big Tua fan uh, for a while. All right, Dolphins, Nick. This team is in big trouble because Tua folds like a deck of cards versus any defense, decent defense. What's going on with him? All right, so so the positives. Four games of three-plus passing touchdowns. Five games over 300 passing yards. Seven games throwing a 70%-plus completion percentage. Very good things out of Tua. Here's my question here. What's the defense doing? 35, uh, 34 points to the Chargers. 48 to the Bills. 31 to the Eagles. 21 to the Chiefs. Like, is, is, it, is it the offense and Tua, or is this defense not stepping up when they need to? That's my big question. Might be Tua. JT Eagles. Devontae loves the hate Tua. Loves the hate. Uh, I'm trying to like him, but he just every week I just want to kick my TV in the face when I see, see him making these stupid fucking turnovers. But uh, JT Eagles, my favorite player, Slim Reaper, Devonta Smith is the Eagles wide receiver one from now on, even if Goddard comes back soon, right? I don't think he's the wide receiver one, but I just think, you know, the fact that, you know, we talk about all the time, him and AJ Brown are just two totally different receivers that, you know, work well off each other. Obviously Smith, huge upside whenever Goddard's not in there for some reason, he just, he seems like he just explodes when he's not in there. I love both those guys. I'll take either one of them I can get. I don't, I wouldn't call him a clear cut one, but he is definitely, I mean, as a, (laughs) he's a one for me over a bunch of guys on other teams in the league. I'd much rather have Devontae Smith. I'd always take a guy on a good offense over uh, a player that might be the number one on a bad offense. Yeah, right. Nick Falcons, will Arthur Smith let B. John Robinson obliterate the rest of the, so- the season's power puff schedule they have, or will it be back to normal next week for the fantasy football <laughs> haters? 
So 22 and 16 rushing attempts for 95 and 91 yards the last two games, a rushing touchdown in both, 23 and 19 touches. It's it's almost like if you give him the work, he gains good yards and he scores touchdowns. It's just the math adds up right there. Uh, that's the hope, though, that they continue to give him the work. Five and six at the top, tied for the NFC South. So I think if, if they want to sneak into the playoffs, they need to feed their most talented running back. And that's B. John Robinson, who's, who's been proving that the last two weeks and early on in the season. Maybe they're tight end to wide receiver. That's pretty good, too. That would help, right? Those guys are all right, too. Yeah. <laughs> JT, 49ers. Who's really the better player, Debo or Ayuk? Oh, that's a toughie. Here's the thing is, I, I have to be honest, I've been not an Ayuk guy like his whole career, and he's looked way better than I thought he would be. I actually like Debo a lot, but I think he maybe is slightly overrated, <laughs> especially in fantasy circles. I mean, he's a better football player than he is a fantasy player. Uh, it, it pains me, but fantasy-wise, I would take Ayuk over Debo right now. I would definitely take him, even though I like Debo as a player more. Uh, fantasy-wise, I think you've got to go Ayuk. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one for me, too. And I'll throw in my quick Ayuk story. The reason I hate him so much is I got – kicked out of a auction draft and it <laughs> it made me take Brandon Ayuk for $21 on an auction league draft like two years ago and oh. it totally effed my whole team up because I had no money to draft guys I needed to and this was like way before he was decent so it was like a huge overpay he should have been like a $7 player I made like 21 22 bucks for him I drop a mid-year because I just can't take it anymore he immediately blows up the next team that picks him up and plays awesome the rest of the season. So that's my Brandon IU Kate story. Sounds like the things I do when I drop like Zach Moss and shit like that. It's kind of what happens to me. <laughs> exactly. That's Nick. why I knew you would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Giants. Jalen Hyatt will prove to a lot of people wrong who called him a one trick pony and said not to draft him, right? Um, maybe. I mean, it, it was a big, big uh, week 12, five catches for 109 yards prior to the bye. We had we had Hyatt go off in week 12, though, and then we had Darius Slayton go off in week 11. So it's like the, the deep the deep options both had their own week. But if you look back at Tennessee, 1267 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns in 12 games last season. He had that 207 receiving yard game and five touchdowns against Bama last year. You know, that stands out. I think a lot of it comes down to Tommy DeVito. Do we trust him to really elevate the rookie in, in Jalen Hyatt? You know, maybe it's Tyrod Taylor at some point later on in the season. I, I don't know if he's ever going to come back, but you know, I, I guess the opportunity is there at, at, at least. And you know, it, when you got a guy that's had a very productive college season that didn't go to like a dinky school, I think there's there's the chance that if he he's given the volume, if the quarterback play is competent, that he can make some big plays. We'll we'll have to see though, I guess. Yeah, my I I completely switched on like Jameson Williams and and well, I'm not gonna say completely switched, but I was Jalen Hyatt. I was like, this is ridiculous. Everybody saw him play against Alabama. He had one big game in his entire career. Mm -hmm. That was it. You know that was. But uh, and I was a big Jameson Williams guy. But he, again, another guy who only had one big year, for, but he just happened to have it at the right time. So it is what it is. But I'm uh I'm picking up Jalen Hyatt and, and getting rid of Jameson Williams, and it really that that's that was like literally polar opposites where I was a year ago at this mm -hmm. point in time. Uh, just JT Jaguars. What does Evan Ingram have to do to finally catch a touchdown pass? 
Jags. They they've just been you know all over the place week to week. The Jags, who's going to have a good week? Who's not going to be? Uh, it's been really up and down. I mean, Chris and Kirk's look great some weeks. Ridley looks great, and then he does nothing for multiple weeks in a row. Um, it's going to be interesting to see Zay Jones if he finally is healthy and gets back. How that affects everybody else is they've just been tough to figure out what they're doing in the passing game and who is the guy that's going to hit for them. So I don't think it's anything against every Ingram what he's doing per se. I just they they just been kind of a, a funky offense to figure out this season. All right. Nick Jets, should they just go back to Zach Wilson since the season is probably a loss now? You know, weeks eight through 10, he was, he was throwing the ball for a decent yardage 240, 263, 263 passing yards. He had a 54 rushing yard game. He just wasn't throwing touchdowns. And I think they told on themselves for not making a move at the trade deadline. They didn't do anything to address the quarterback position. I, I would have even went as far as picking up Carson Wentz, who a lot of people hate, but he actually looked decent last year to open up the season for the the, the commanders. So I think I think they should have just been either one, you know, going with the rookie uh, to either, I'm sorry, I think they should have just went with the the rookie, or not the rookie, the the, the young quarterback route in Zach Wilson and, you know, the, the, the effort to either one, develop him, or two, just kind of market him and say, hey, he had a couple big games. Let's try to flip him next year. But I think the Jets had the most strange move the last couple of weeks just with the whole quarterback situation and what they chose to do. Because if they truly wanted to compete, they would have made a move at the trade deadline, pick somebody up. And if they didn't do that, then just stick with Zach Wilson again to either develop him or to literally put him on you know, a, a pedestal and say, hey, he had a couple good games. Like, come and trade for him that next year. I, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Who, who in there is saying Tim Boyle's the answer? I just I don't know how that conversation goes with the coaches, but that just blows my mind. We're like, yeah, yeah, Tim Boyle, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, right. JT Lions. The Lions are a great rebuilding story, but they are another year or two away from making a serious playoff run, right? I actually think the Lions got a shot to make a run here just because I don't believe in the NFC. I really don't. I, outside of the Niners and the Eagles. Uh, and, you know, we saw injuries last year just absolutely screw the Niners. So outside, I right now I'm probably taking them as the third best team between the Eagles and Niners and the NFC. They could win a couple games. You never know with injuries. You never know what kind of crazy thing could happen. I think they're in the mix. Do I think they could win the Super Bowl? I actually don't think they can. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. But I definitely think they're in the mix in the NFC and that think, is right now. What teams did you say are about Eagles and I think the Eagles and the Niners are the you think, NFC. You think that you think if they, they play the Cowboys in the playoffs, they're going to beat them? I see. I, again, that's to me, that's a toss-up game. I mean, look how the Cowboys Stop have played it. in the playoffs. Look how Dak has played the playoffs sometimes. Do I think the Cowboys are probably a better team? Yes. Do I think if the Cowboys have to play at Detroit, Detroit doesn't maybe win that game? I think they can now. I don't think they're favored. I think the Cowboys are, you know, they, but again, I don't trust the Cowboys either in this scenario. I think the Cowboys have a good team as well, but I don't trust them. So that's what I'm saying. I feel like the NFC outside those top two teams are pretty wide open. And if you can get the NFC championship game, you know, ne you never know. Yeah. You never know. Is right. Nick Packers. Jordan Love is showing flash of picking up this offense. Is this, a, is, is he actually underrated? You know, he just finished his third game with three passing touchdowns. He's tied for seventh in touchdowns on the season. He's fluctuated a bit in production, three straight weeks of 268-plus uh, passing yards, but he's also had three weeks of under uh, 185 passing yards, five games with no interception, but also six with interceptions in them. So, you know, we, we kind of knew this. First year, 
still still developing. He doesn't have an elite set of weapons. If you look at who he's throwing the ball to, I think, you know, is he underrated? Maybe a little bit. Will he ever be in a, in the elite category? I'm not really sold on it, just in all honesty, but maybe that's some, maybe that's some Bears uh, bias in me. No, I feel the same way. JT Panthers is Bryce Young the offensive? Is it the is it Bryce Young the offensive line, the wide receivers, the play calling? I mean, they just got rid of the coach, but I mean, what is what makes this offense terrible? I think it's everything. I mean, this is all around. They don't have anything going for them. They don't have any wide receivers making plays. The old line's bad. The running backs. I thought Miles Sanders would be better. He's already gotten placed by Chuba. Uh, I can't believe they didn't give Frank Wright at least one season. Right. I mean, I just like, what are you doing? You automatically came out. And you already fired your coach, like with a rookie QB in a team that already wasn't great. I mean, at this point, why didn't you keep, uh, what was it? Steve Wilkes last year. Was that who was the interim coach or whatever? I'm like, what, like, what are you doing? I, this makes no sense to me. I mean, I know someone's going to take the job because they're going to get paid a lot of money to take it, but it's like, what kind of confidence do you have in ownership that just hired a guy and fired him, you know, 10, 12 weeks into his first season? Yeah, I think it they blows got my mind. Fires remorse from uh, the pick and then also seeing what CJ Stroud's doing, what they passed up on right now. The whole organization is probably looking to, to blame somebody, but it, they got a point. Oh, they're blaming figures. it. If you, look at the, if you look at the press conference and stuff, they're throwing blame all over the place about how they weren't supposed to trade to one. They were going to trade to two. They were going to take CJ Stroud. Like It's like now it's, 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 it's a disaster over there. Yeah. JT, uh, wait, where are we at? Um, Nick, Patriots. Why don't the Patriots just start Malik Cunningham if Jones and Zappi aren't the answers? I, I'm going to make this super simple, but they're they're two and nine. I, I think that they should just run the ball more than any team in the NFL. I think that they should just have Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott just touching the ball more than any running back duo in the league. And if they do some play action passes, you know, out of that, fine. I don't think it really matters at this point. Two and nine, who the quarterback is, just just utilize those two running backs because what does it matter at this point? And 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 both of those guys can do it. Good answer. Uh, JT Raiders, Josh Jacobs didn't have a reception until the fourth quarter. Does it matter that he's getting 20-plus carries a game at the goal line and the goal line work, or if he's not getting the PPR work, what's the story? I, Josh Jacobs has been tough. I actually sat, sat Josh Jacobs and B. John Robinson in, a, in two different leagues this week. This is how crazy I'm losing my mind. I played Singletary and Warren over those guys. I just, I just, I'm God, it's so bad. I, I've talked myself in. I don't know why I talked myself into that. Um I, Jacobs, I mean, he's finally starting to look decent. This Raiders off this team is better than I thought they would be. Finally, they're going with O'Connell, the rookie, who doesn't look terrible. I mean, that week they got in, they played uh, Hoyer. I got into it with a million Raiders fans because I was like, what are you doing as a coaching staff? Do you really think Brian freaking Hoyer is giving <laughs> you a better chance to win than anyone? And these Raiders fans were like all over me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, have you watched Brian Hoyer play in the last 10 years? I've seen him start in person three different games, and he was horrible. Horrible. I'm like, what are you doing? Play the young guy. Just back to what Nick said about Zach Wilson. Why are you not playing Zach Wilson? I don't care if he's not lighting the world on fire. You have to grow these young guys. Replacing them and starting absolutely bottom of the barrel backups. It's not like they pulled him for Jameis Winston. It's not like they pulled him for Sam Darnold. 
They're pulling him for Tim freaking Boyle and Hoyer. I mean, terrible. Raiders have looked ever ever since they got McDaniel the better. I think Jacobs is actually going to be decent play the rest of the year, even though he struggled to kind of start things off. I actually like where the Raiders are going, even if they're losing, which they should have, obviously, to the Chiefs. But he's looked a lot better, and they're getting more involved. Nick Rams, is Cooper Cup going to be fantasy relevant ever again? You know, we, we saw two elite weeks out of him, weeks five and six. He, he scored well for fantasy, 118 and 148 uh, receiving yards in those. I, I think the expectations just were always too high. I think the the w- one issue we see with him is that he's, he's dealt with some injuries this season that I feel like some kind of still linger with him. He's not like 22 years old anymore. So I think the expectation should just be he's probably a high upside wide receiver too, and he's not going to be a high upside wide receiver one that, you know, many people drafted this year because again of of you know just some regression and then again some lingering injuries jt real quick ravens what is wrong what's wrong with the ravens offense without mentioning mandrews the ravens struggle when they don't run the ball well you've just seen that on their offense when they can run the ball well and they can play action pass and get guys down the field their offense looks a million times better the the games they they struggle to run they struggle on offense it's just the way it is it baffles me they didn't trade for Derrick Henry before the trade deadline. It did. I mean, that would have been the solution to all these problems, but, you know, it is what it, it is. They, they love their random running backs they've had for three, <laughs> four years. I mean, they've, I mean, they've loved Gus Bus forever. I mean, they, right. Keaton Mitchell, just, Justice Hill would have been gone years ago on a million other teams, but he's just been floating around for like three, four seasons for the Ravens. I don't understand. He's like that little midget, like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, just hanging around, you know? <laughs> yeah, just hanging around. Just waiting to see if they're going to put me in one day. Just hanging yeah. around. Nick, Saints, why is Derek Carr only good until he hits the red zone? Yeah, tied for 14th in red zone attempts, 44.9 completion percentage there. Eight red zone touchdowns is pretty low. Um, I'm I'm surprised that they don't try to utilize like a guy like Juwan Johnson, who had some touchdown upside last season in that area of the field. But right now, the Saints, it, it seems like, the three of us might be lining up at wide receiver because everybody's banged up. So I don't think anything's going to look any, any, you know, anything better anytime soon. They drive down the field and they bring Taysom Hill in the red zone to score touchdowns. That's just how the offense yeah, works. That's, and if that's how that's, it works, yeah. it is what it is. Yep. Uh, JT Seahawks. Can we start packing up Pete Carroll's office in the NFL career now because they are six and five and now they play Dallas, San Francisco, Philly, tennis, and then Tennessee and Arizona. But how fast can we get Pete Carroll out of this league? I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I, I thought the Seahawks were kind of a fraud all year, and I think after this stretch run, they're going to really look bad. I, I Tyler Lockett, I have to bring it up, wide open in the end zone. Geno underthrows him, killed a six-pick parlay, TD parlay. Would have been magical on Thanksgiving, and uh, the only one I didn't hit was Lockett because he underthrows him. The The magic of Geno is over. Yeah. It's done. It's not coming back. Geno is going to be a... Average to below average QB the rest of his career. I just I don't love the Seahawks team. I like them less when they wear the neon green. I can't stand it. Uh, they're in trouble. I this team is gonna they're gonna bottom out and it's gonna be bad. I, I be see him maybe winning one or two more games the rest of the year. I hate Pete Carroll with a pad. He's probably my least favorite human being on the face of this earth, but I can't <laughs> wait to see him get out of the league. Nick Steelers. 58 games since the Steelers had 400 yards of total offense. So it was Matt Canada the whole time that was holding this offense back, right? 
I, I think some emphasis is probably on that O-line still, but I think I think we still have to hold Kenny Pickett accountable. If you look at playerprofiler.com, I won't list off the specifics, but if you look at the the categories of yards per attempt and true completion percentage and QBR and, and clean pocket accuracy rating and you know the passing yards per game that this guy's had, he's been extremely bad in all of those things. And and he had a great preseason. And I I, I was kind of a sucker to it, just to be honest. I thought he was going to take a bit of a leap, you know, uh, six touchdowns, four interceptions on the year, 2,000 passing yards in 11 games. There's nothing about Kenny Pickett this season that has is, is looked good. So I'm hoping things change. I'm hoping things look better, but we got to also hold the quarterback accountable at some point. Yes. JT, Texans, speaking of quarterbacks, win or lose, C.J. Stroud just passes the eye test for a quarterback that's going to be special. Is, is the NFL just not figuring him out yet, or is he just that good? I don't think it's about figuring him out. I, I think – I think C.J. Stroud's a real deal. I said this all off season. I said he was my number one QB. So if you went back and you looked at his tape, I mean, yes, did he have elite talent around him? Yes. But man, he was putting the ball in just the most perfect spots through where he needs to. I just thought I liked everything about CJ Stroud coming in. I actually was worried that Houston's O-line would be so bad that they would ruin him, that he would get sacked so much his rookie year that would throw him way off on his game. And I'm just I'm pumped that he's figured out how to like kind of keep it together and not get crushed and make the adjustments. I, as a Colts fan, I I'm pumped to see CJ Stroud every year, you know, just to get to watch him play. But man, he's gonna make that he makes that Texas team so much better. I mean, if you put a different QB on that team, that team is nowhere near the record they have. Now it's been a great coaching job by Ryan's as well, but I CJ Stroud has made all the difference in the world on that team. Yeah, Nick, Titans, what the heck happened to Will Levis that people traded multiple first-round picks to acquire? Yeah, you make a debut finishing as a quarterback six, and and everybody goes wild. I I think he caught Atlanta lacking a bit in their game plan against him, especially with uh, the news that it was going to be a mixture of him and Malik Willis in that game. But then, you know, I mean, he had the four-touchdown game. It, It was huge. The next week, he threw for 262 passing yards. That seemed Okay, but since that big week, four weeks finishing as a quarterback 20 to the quarterback 31, ranging in that uh, area, two touchdowns and two interceptions in, in those four games, he's he's not been productive. I I I think I I, I was I, I fell for it too a little bit. I, I'm not saying that he cannot, you know, uh, you know, improve and be productive next season, but nothing in these last four games is really saying, hey, you know what, this guy needs to be on fantasy rosters at all right now for redraft at least, I guess. Yeah, JT Vikings. Pasternak has proved he's a backup for now, right? True or false? True. I mean, he he he's been a backup. It's been a great story. The the circumstances that he got put in, getting traded to teams right before starting a game, keeping teams in it, I think has been just an awesome story. I like Josh Jobs a lot. He was a Steeler for a long time, but there's a reason he didn't play there for a long time. I he's a he's a good story. He's a good dude, but there he is not. An NFL number one quarterback. He's just not. Nick. Solid backup, but that's it. Nick, say something nice about Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team. Yes. Uh, five, five, six, and four receptions across the last four weeks with two games at 42 receiving yards. I think, you know, if you're in a PPR league, it, it, it gets extremely thin for the running back position the further and further you get down the road. So I think at some point, we're just looking for guys that are touching the football. And if you play in a PPR league, 
he's touching the football through the air. So I think he should be rostered. And I think if you're completely desperate, you're hoping he has, again, a 40-yard game and maybe falls into the end zone. But you have to like running backs that stay involved consistently in the passing game, and that's what he's done the last four games. All right. I had to refresh my thing here. I don't know why my internet does it at the hour mark every week, but you're good. All right. Uh, so that's good. Um, that's team trades. We got right? trades now. I got some questions here from the on the Cruz uh, Garcia, nine and three, half PPR, first place starters Lamar, Tyron Gibbs, Pollard, Diggs, CD Tank, Benches, H. Bain, uh, Puka, Purdy. We got offered Stroud, Mostert, and Godwin for Pollard, Puka. Purdy and uh, Purdy and Puka. Should I? Would you take Stroud, Mostert, Godwin for Pollard, Puka, and Purdy? I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to like process this here. Got off yeah, of Stroud, so he, Mostert, Godwin for Pollard, Puka, Purdy, and Puka. Yep. So he's basically swapping quarterbacks. Uh, Purdy for Stroud, Mostert oh. for Pollard, and Godwin for Puka. If it's this dynasty, I'm all over the Stroud side. I'm taking Stroud everywhere I can get him. I'm, for me, I'm definitely taking that side. I'm probably taking that side of redraft I'm, too I'm, because yeah. I like Mozart. Yeah, I think I think redraft you're taking this absolutely. I mean, uh, Shroud's a clear upgrade over Purdy. I think if you look at Mostert or Pollard, I I think it's it's Mostert. We don't know when A Chain's mm-hmm. coming back, and he already he already has A Chain. He said uh, anyways, and then. Godwin, uh, Puka, I'd, I'd probably prefer Puka, but if I'm going to win for the rest of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this both redraft and dynasty. Yeah, I feel the same way. Three to one here. We got another one. Do I start Kyler, Russ, or Love this week? Also, Ferguson, Taysom Hill, or Muth at tight end? JT? Uh, I think who everybody's playing. Kyler's going against the Steelers. Uh, that could be good or bad because they do like to give up a lot of passing yards. Russ has been real solid, so if you want, like, the easiest floor, like the guy's not going to be bad. Russ is the play. I'm playing Muth at tight end. I think he's going to have a good game against Arizona. Uh, they're at home as well, which they, they always seem to play so much better at home. So I'm probably going. I'm probably going Muth and Russ. If you have negative points in your league for like sacks and things like that, I probably don't want to play Kyler against the Steelers. If there is no negative points for stuff like that, Kyler could be a solid play. He did not look great last week, and their offense just looked terrible. But the Steelers have given up a ton of yards this year, so he's he could be a high upside play in this game. Nick, I, I agree with, uh, with with Muth. I think he should be in your lineup uh, the the rest of the season. I don't think last week was a fluke. Maybe in like the ceiling it was, but he still should stay involved. But. I'll probably stick with Kyler just because he's been a top 10 quarterback for the last two weeks in a row now. And and I think you just kind of ride guys that, that have that sort of ceiling. I think Russ, you're probably playing for like quarterback 10 to 12 most weeks. I think Kyler, you know, maybe not quarterback one, two, three, but I think he's more of a mid range quarterback one on his upside week. So I think I'll, I'll go with Kyler just because of that. Yeah. Do I pick up Muth or Zach Moss? I, I imagine that's for the flex. Uh, man, that, that one's tough. You know, Zach Moss has, has been great in the games that he was the lead back. So the only issue is, is I don't know the, the timeline for Jonathan Taylor. If it's three weeks, you know, that's going to lead you into the fantasy playoffs a little bit. If, if, if Friar Muth is now your tight end one though, maybe you don't need Zach Moss. Maybe you desperately need that tight end. I think it's very situational not to cop out, but I think it just comes down to, Hey, who, who, who will start for you from now until the end of your season? I, I think that's kind of a factor. 
he just says, if I pick up Moss, I don't think I could play him. Well, then if he oh, there, to there you go. Booth, it's yeah. uh, that's kind of a no brainer right there. But yeah, go Muth yep. then for sure. I mean, Moss, if you need RB, if you need a second RB, go Moss. But if it's yeah. any kind of tight end premium or you are desperate for a tight end, Muth for sure. All right, two quick segments left. Uh, 12, these are Mighty McGlynn recently trades in the Mighty McGlynn Dynasty Home Leagues. 12 team, 30 man rosters. No kickers, no defense. Tight end premium 0.75. Superflex 5 2 touchdown interception uh, ratio. So in Brainiacs, we got Puka Nakua and Joe Burrow for Jamar Chase and Chase Young. Is that supposed to be Bryce Young? I'm like, uh, you don't do IDP, do you? Chase Young. I saw that. Yeah, oh, saw yeah, that Bryce too. Young. Bryce Young. I, I was like, I was like, John, you throwing me IDP questions all of a sudden. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> Never. The world is upside life. down. I was like, the world has turned. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so Puka Nakua and Joe Burrow for Jamar Chase and Bryce Young. That's interesting. So, so what, what's the? We don't know if they're competing or not competing or anything uh, like that. The team that traded for Jamar that traded a. Uh, they got Puka, they sent away Puka Nakua and Burrow. Is they won a championship last year? They're undefeated this year. They got Jamar Chase and Bryce Young. So he's going for a title and traded Burrow because he needs yes. points. Uh, in a vacuum, I take Burrow's side because I just prefer Burrow over Bryce Young. Even though Chase is a stud, I probably have I'd take Burrow. But I guess if you're like I'm undefeated trying to win a title and you take the downgrade at QB, but you add Chase. Though Chase without Burrow is how much of an upgrade? Eh, that's iffy. I'm probably going Burrow's side personally because if it's Superflex, I'm always going to lean QB. And we we've seen we've seen a lot of big games for Puka with Matthew Stafford, and now we got Jamar Chase with Browning. I mean, he just scored like 12 ish fantasy points, and we know Jamar Chase is one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. But at the same point, like, what is his true ceiling with with the backup quarterback? We've seen Puka with Stafford this year, right? So I think that you know is is the gap with Chase with Browning just for this season? Is it so massive than Puka with Stafford? I don't I don't know I don't know. And and if I'm targeting a quarterback. Uh, to to compete this year, it's not Bryce Young. That's for sure. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, Logan Thomas and Ty Chandler for a mid twenty four fifth. I mean, that's kind of. I think a, both those guys are worth a fifth or higher themselves. Personally, I'm definitely yeah. taking Logan Thomas and all that. I I take both yeah. those guys for probably a third or a fourth individually. Yeah. This was a low sell by Kyle August in a different league. Uh, he uh, he's trying to dump players for a uh, to get him off his roster for. Max points four for lottery balls. So that's what he just said. Hey, give me something for both these guys. So, you know, was, I, I think he could have sold both of these guys for a fourth individually, probably maybe even more possibly. But yeah, for I would have said two but, fourths or like a third and a fourth for sure. Yeah, I, I would have too. And the thing, the thing I, cause I, I play with Kyle in leisure and uh, John, I play with him in another, another league he runs too. But I, I like the, the one, the one thing I like about him, I, I don't think, I think he could have got more as well, but I, what, what I like about him, he gets deals done all the time. Cause he just doesn't BS them. And you know, I, I, I don't know if I would have taken this deal necessarily, but he gets so many deals done because he just gets to the point, you know, but. Yeah. Me and him, me and him deal a lot. He gets sick of some yeah. of my offers, but when he sends shit, they usually get done. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Bavaro League, Waddle, a late 24th second and a 24th fifth for Minshew, Pittman, Flowers, and a late 24th third. Ooh, this is this is interesting. This is interesting. So, uh, man, just break. I'm trying to break this down into pieces a little bit. Who would you rather have, Waddle or Flowers in a third? I think I I think I still would take 
take Waddle there. And then you're mm-hmm. looking at then you're looking at the late 24 second or Minshew. I think if if I if I'm in a if I'm not needing a quarterback, I think I'd sell Minshew for a second. And then Pittman or a second, I think I'd I'd take I think I'd take Pittman um over that. So I don't know. I, I part of me kind of leans this Waddle side. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I lean a little to the Waddle side, but if I definitely need a QB, like I got somebody hurt, I need a super flex to play the rest of the year. Minshew's been solid. And yeah. I like and I love Pittman. So I love the Minshew Pittman stack if I know I'm gonna play Minshew every week. And then taking the downgrade from Waddle for from Pittman, say Minshew Pittman vert is Waddle, then two seconds for flowers and a third, I think is is reasonable. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. a pretty fair trade all around. I think whatever they were doing, but I, I like that move going Pittman and Minshew together on the stack and then flowers upside for the future. Waddle, I think is the best player. Like Nick said, uh, I like the seconds with it, but I think that's a pretty fair trade fair for trade. this year too. For, for this year too. I, I mean, yep. would you rather have Pittman or Waddle just for this year? Dynasty, we take Waddle probably, but for yes. this year, I, I don't Pitt it might be the answer might be Pittman over, over, over I mean, Waddle for, Minshew, for, for this year. Yeah, Minshew is just hitting Pittman all day long. He, yeah, I mean, yeah, all day long. If he even has a glimpse of being open, Minshew was finding him. I mean, yeah, and they've no. cut down his routes. If you look at last last week's routes, they are figuring out ways to get him the ball. He's usually more an intermediate to longer route runner. I saw him more run more run more two and three four yard slants and cross patterns this last week for the Colts than I've seen him run in his whole career. And he just it, it, they're figuring out like, hey, we have to get him the ball. We're going to run him on different routes. We're way we have to do to get him the football. So that's a guy I want because they're going to target him the rest of the season big time. Yeah. All right. Three one two dynasty gurus. Uh, Minshew for Lockett in a mid twenty four third. <sighs> Uh, for Lockett in a mid 24 third, I think, I think if I, I think if I wanted to, to take the, the best assets that I can like flip at, at any rate, like, let's say, let's say I had no interest in anybody in this trade. I'd want Minshew because we know Minshew is going to be the starter rest of the season. And maybe I have no interest in keeping Minshew on my, my dynasty team after the season. But I think that if I had Minshew, I might be able to flip him for something better than Lockett in a mid 24 third. I I think Lockett has had some good games this season, but I think Lockett's also had a lot of bad games this season when it comes to fantasy scoring. So I think when I look at these guys, who could I flip for something more? I think the answer is Minshew. He's a starting quarterback in a super flex league. So I think I'd rather have the Minshew side. And then I try to flip him for something more than lock it in a third. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the, the I'm taking the, the lock at third side. If like Minshew is like my fourth QB and I'm just, I couldn't get any other deal done with anyone else. And I'm like, I want something for him because I know I'm not going to play him next year and I'm not playing him this year. I can see taking the third and lock it uh, just to get something. Cause I know so, I've been in that situation. I need a desperation trade. Like, I got to get this guy on my roster because I'm never going to play him and I got to get something for him. I could see that. But yeah, if you need a quarterback going in and you're in the mix, I think that's a fair price to pay for Minshew. Yeah. All right. This one just happened right before the show. Colin Taylor traded away Lamar Jackson uh, and Sean Foss, who is competing, who I thought had me this week, but he got Joe Burrow and a, or Colin got Joe Burrow in the mid to late 24 first for Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson's a win now team. And the other team that's obviously decided to start the rebuild got Joe Burrow in the mid 24 first. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I made a similar move in, in, in a league that you have to start two quarterbacks. It's not a super flex. You have to start two quarterbacks. So it's really thin there. I sent, and it sounds really bad, but I sent Richardson in a first for Lamar Jackson. And this was early in the season, and Lamar Jackson hasn't really been great. He's been very, very um, inconsistent with his fantasy production. But I think at the end of the day, from a dynasty perspective, if you were to do a, a, a dynasty startup, I think some people would take Lamar Jackson first, and some people might take Joe Burrow first. And then you're adding a first in this. So value-wise, it's it, for me, it's the Burrow in the, the first side. But at the same point, you know, I – you might have lost a trade, but if it wins you your league and it wins you a bunch of money, then maybe you made the right move. And that's the decisions you kind of got to make in Dynasty. JT? Yeah, in our uh, in our Boomers League, uh, John, that me and you were in, I had Burrow with my number one pick. I ended up trading Burrow for Lamar Jackson, Terry McLaren, and a second rounder at the very beginning of the year before we even kicked off. And I thought that was a pretty fair trade. I needed a little help upgrade at wide receiver. I knew I was going to take a little hit with Burrow to Lamar, but now with the way things have gone with the injury and everything that's happening, I think you could flop that trade in a lot of situations. And you'd say, hey, you got to give up Burrow in a second or whatever to get Lamar. So I think that's pretty fair. I mean, obviously you're a contender. If you're out of it, take take Burrow because obviously the upside is higher, I think, with Burrow than Lamar. But if you're in it, you got to get Lamar. I think that's the move. But I think that's a fair trade. As you've seen, it's just slightly switched uh, value from the beginning of the year to now because of the injury. Yeah. All right, we got uh, babies, boomers, degenerates, return to strokes, Westland All-Stars, Cobras. They're all lame, no no trade. So nothing to talk about this week. Uh, So real fast, we got team evaluation. Every week we evaluate a Miami Glenn home league team to decide if it's a simple remodel, a full-scale rebuild, what the story is. These are 12 team, 30-man deep rosters, no kickers, no defense. Superflex 5-2 touchdown interception, full PPR for wide receivers and running backs, 1.75 tight end. What are the biggest needs for this team? When you look at this team, what direction do you want to go and why? This is Sean Roach, 3-1-2 Dynasty League, which Nick is in. This team is undefeated. So we're looking – this is a Dynasty lens, not just a redraft lens right now. It's undefeated. Obviously, win now, but what do you do after the season? Win, lose, tie, or draw? This is a very old team. Future picks, they have a fourth next year, and then first, second, fourth – and fifth and 25. Uh, what are you doing now? Obviously, this year you're holding on. If you're undefeated, you're going to do whatever you can. You're scratching, you're clawing, you're doing everything you can to win the ship right now. But if you look at this team we have on, on, on the screen, uh, I'm going to share it real fast. Uh, but uh, you know, what do you do? Because it's after this season, you got to really kind of think about what we're going to be doing here with this team. Because you, I don't, I'm not sure this is a long term asset team. Obviously, he's got Stroud. Raheem Mostert, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, and he's got Jamar Chase, which is a long-term asset. Isaiah Likely, probably you know not not anything fascinating after this season. Brian Robinson, which he's up and down. Nico Collins, up and down also. Jared Goff, uh, you know who knows what's going to happen after this season. He's showing glimpses of kind of fading, and you know who knows what they're going to do next season. Then he's got Gabbert, Brissett, uh, Tanner McKee, Jarrett Stidham. Uh, Jamison Winston, which he won't trade me even for a third round pick, but that's he's a jerk. Um, Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, uh, Jake Browning, a lot of quarterbacks here. Amari Di Mercado, Samaje P. Ryan, Rashad Penny, Deonta Foreman, Noah Brown, uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, Darius Davis, um, Deontay Hardy, Jawan Jennings, t- a lot of junk here. T- t- Tanner Hudson, Gerald Everett, Jared Stahl, 
And then his injury reserve is filled with garbage too. Emmanuel Wilson, Mark, you know, obviously Mark Andrews isn't garbage, but Russell Gage, Ashton Doolin, uh, Ahmed, J- uh, Justin Palmer is okay for the future. Hassan Haskins, Rivers, and Paul Hendershot. So uh, he's got a, a lot of nothing on the bench. A handful of players sprinkled in that he might be able to use, but no picks next year. So what? when you see this team, obviously you're going to, let's just say he wins the championship. What are you doing as soon as the championship game's over there? You, who are you sending away? What can you get for some of these guys? What is this guy's future? Just hold on to these guys for another year because you have no picks? What are you thinking? Um, uh, whoever wants to start, go ahead. I'll jump in real quick. Uh, to me, you know, obviously you're, you're playing for the title this year, like you said. Uh, obviously running back is the most glaring thing with most certain Henry going into next season. But at this point, what are you going to sell those guys for? I mean, you're not going to get anything for them. So you're just writing them into the ground as much as possible. Obviously, his best asset is uh, Jamar Chase and Stroud. I'm not getting rid of those guys uh, at all. So I'm, I'm playing this team out. I think this team has another year of competing. And if for some reason he gets off to a bad start next year, maybe he starts selling some assets away. Obviously, I don't know what the other teams look like, but I mean, he's got a pretty good crew in there, uh, especially if Andrews is healthy. Um, that's a pretty, pretty legit starting lineup. I said the running backs are the biggest problem. He does have golf. He does have Kenny Pickett as a third quarterback who I know he struggled, but I think is going to continue to improve. I'm rolling this team. I just, I, to me, you're, if you trade any of your main assets, you're basically back into a rebuild with too many old assets. So you're going to have to trade everything. And this is too, to me, this is too good of a team to bail on when I've got a shot to win a title this year and possibly next year, depending on how things work out. You can maybe make a couple moves in the offseason, maybe trade away another future round pick to bring in a running back, someone that's desperate, you can maybe move, make a move for a second or third and bring in a running back. But I'm, I'm sticking with this team as long as I can right now. And again, it's not like he doesn't have any future pieces with Stroud and Jamar Chase to where if everything absolutely tanked and this team was just horrible in two years that he doesn't turn around and try to sell both those guys for, you know, King's ransom. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, the roster is committed to winning right now. And I, I don't think you can be 11 and 0 and then just hit a, hit a wall and say, Hey, you know, the team's doing good. I haven't lost a game, but what about next year? What about next year? No, I mean, you've literally built this team to, to be 11 and 0. You built this team to win a championship. So I think you're either 100% committed to winning the championship or you're not. So I, I think with teams that are in full contention, like this team, I don't think you, 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 you give a shit about next year. I just don't, don't think you do. I think you can try to nitpick little things in your team to flip for something of, of, of you know, a pick or, or youth. I, I look at like Jake Browning, for instance, uh, Kenny Pickett's your third quarterback on the bench. Is it a great quarterback three? Not necessarily, but I think if you can get anything for Jake Browning, who will never crack this lineup, you go and flip that for something. I think you look at Joshua Palmer, who we've talked about on, on this podcast, and you say, hey, if he gets gets healthy and he gets back in the mix, I don't know if he's cracking this lineup either, and I think somebody can use him in one of these two flex spots. So I think you can like nitpick, but as far as like blowing it up and like trying to trade Moster because a chain might come back or trying to trade Henry because he might, you know, regress. I don't think you care about any of those things right now. I think you just focus on getting the job done, which is what you, you, your intention was. Uh, and that's winning a championship. So if you win the championship, let's just say you're like, Hey, you win. Like, 
Obviously, I'm not sure this team's going to survive another year with, with, with a lot of the players that are on here, the Derrick Henrys and the Cooper Cups and stuff. If you win a championship this year, you cross the finish line, you know, chugging along, and you finally get there. And in the offseason, you just blow the season. Do you start from scratch because you got it, you know, eight years paid for kind of thing? Or you just say, hey, I'm going to just hold on another back. year? I think you run it back because, again, yeah. I, what are you going to get for some of those guys? You're going to blow it up to not get hardly anything. What are you going to get in two years when those guys are absolute garbage? But that's what I'm saying. I, I would rather run it. You're not going to get anything for him now. I mean, what's something going to trade you next year for Derrick Henry? A third if you're lucky? If you're right. lucky? You know, so I, I'm just running. You, I like what Nick said. I'm trying to trade Browning and maybe a Palmer for like a second or third rounder if I have no picks next year because – We've already looked at the draft, a big Debbie guy. There's not a lot of running backs out there that are like on people's radar. I think it's going to be a huge second round, third round, where everybody's like taking a shot at wideouts and running backs and rookie drafts. If you could trade those guys for a second or third and take some hits on some rookie running backs and see if anybody helps or can hit and help for you, I like that move a lot. I, I, I agree with Nick on that one for sure. If I can sell a Browning who I'm never going to play, if I can sell a Josh Palmer coming back for like a second or third, if I'm a contender and I'm a wide receiver short, I would maybe sell a second, late second for Palmer. I would maybe do that because I'm like, oh, man, he could come back and help me in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm This, this team to me is too good to start bailing and the – the assets are too old to start getting really something reasonable in return. I'm going to run this team into the ground personally. All right, Nick. Well, thanks for celebrating the hundredth episode with me. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, we try and keep it an hour every week. You see sometimes now why it goes two hours or two hours and a half, you know, cause people talk, but you know, it's, this is what I do for fun. This is my favorite thing, my favorite hobby. I appreciate you guys being on with me and uh, where can everybody find you yet again, Nick, tell all the uh, socials, all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. So uh, the, the main one just going to be on Twitter or X. It's at P2W Fantasy. If you go to my page, you can find tons of different content in various forms that I, I plug on a very consistent basis. And, you know, I, I catch this show and uh, you guys do a great job and have some great guests on it all the time. So I, I'm glad I was able to be part of it and uh, appreciate you guys having me on. JT? You can find me at JT Orange on the extra Twitter. Um, I write a waiver wire article, IDP who to pick up every week on fan tracks on Wednesdays that comes out. Also, if you're into IDP rankings, I've got mine on DLF. I do my top 150 uh, dynasty rankings on there. And then if you're into college Debbie stuff, you play Debbie leagues, do Debbie show on dynastyprosfootball.com every Tuesday. going to hop on there right as I leave here. And every Tuesday and Thursday, we do a Debbie show on dynastyprosfootball.com. John McGlynn, 75 on X. They, uh, Thank you very much, everybody, for celebrating or watching or listening. It'll be on all uh, the podcasts. Uh, thank you very much for making 100 episodes. Uh, jo- along. Thanks for being along the ride. I'll talk to you later, and good luck in the playoffs, everyone. McGlynn is in. I repeat, McGlynn is in. Let the fun begin. This is the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with your host, John McGlynn. Is that Herms? He got them guests on the Rolodex, stopping by to talk about some Dynasty Superflex. Everybody, yo, commission's in. It's time to sit down to listen to John McGlynn. Yo, who we trading, who we fading, who we getting off the squad. Knowledge never overrated, playing for number one. And hey, yo, McGlynn is in. It's time to let the fun begin. It's the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast with John McGlynn. <laughs>